Welcome back to Talks That Don't Suck with Tom French, our good friend in Melbourne. Uh, today we're looking at how to write the talk. Um, we're going to have Tom sticking around live for questions at the end. Um, and right now we're just going to interview him um, for all our friends out there from Soul Survivor and beyond. Um, just to hear a little bit more about Tom and his book that's now come out that's free for everyone, Talks That Don't Suck. Yeah. So, Tom, writing yeah. a talk. Yes. Is this the easy part or the hard part? Probably de depends on your personality. But uh, for me, I think it's I think it's the hard part. The, the doing the talk, that's the easy part. Appreciate your honesty. <laughs> so writing your talk. Um, yeah. Last episode, we looked at a few of the tips of um, preparation, you know, prayer and finding the big idea and, and listening to others and putting it together. But where do we begin? At what point do we start writing? Yeah. So after, after you've spent time, like, reading your passage, figuring out what it means, uh, reading what other people have to say about it, listening to other talks. Hopefully by that stage, you've got yourself, um, there are some things that you probably want. You want like a basic structure that you can start working with. So I tend to like a structure which is pretty simple where you have an introduction uh, you, or you want to have a big idea, which is um, probably everything you want in your talk has to kind of come from this big idea, which I don't think we covered last time what actually a big idea is. So that would be a big idea is just your um, like one sentence that can summarize uh, what it is that you're trying to, the one idea that you're trying to get across for the whole talk. So it's something that um, can directly come out of the passage that you're speaking from. Um, and so uh, I think we looked at like Matthew 7 last time yeah. and the big idea that we had was like you can pray because you have a good father or something like that. Um, and so if you look at that passage, you go, all right, well, you know, we can see that it's about prayer and asking God for things and about how God is a, a good father. So, all right, there you go. There's your big idea. Um, uh, in, say, at the end of the, the book, this one, uh, I have a sample talk, which is uh, from the story of Ehud and the Fat King, which is in Judges chapter 3. And the story of that is that there's this... Um, uh, well, Israel is in this place where they're being ruled over by uh, the evil Moabites, and uh, they've got a king whose name is Eglon, and Eglon has been, you know, living off the spoils of ruling the Israelites, and he's got himself very fat. And they cry, the Israelites cry out to God, and they're like, "Save us, God!" And so he raises up Ehud to save them. So Ehud comes in to see the king, and then he's like, "I've got a secret message for you." And the king's like, "Oh, what's the message?" And then Ehud stabs the king, and the king, um, king, the fat closes in over the handle, and then the king poops himself. And then Ehud escapes, and then leads all the Israelites uh, to uh, fight against the Moabites, and they are set free from the rule of the Moabites for about 80 years, I think. And then it goes bad again, because that's what happens in Judges. And so the, the question in that story is like, well, what is the, like, what big idea can you get out of that? Like, it's a story, it's a strange story. There's mm -hmm. poop and fat people and violence. Um, and so I spent a bit of time, like, with that one going, all right, well, what, I love the story, but what is it that's, that we see in there? 
And I think what I came up with is that God's character is always to save. And you, you can see that in the story, not because you, like, you don't see God as an actor quite, he doesn't do a lot in the story, like, um, explicitly, but he's implicitly, he's all the way through the story. And you see that throughout the book of Judges, again and again and again, he's working to save his people. And so in this story, we, you see God working to save his people, and he's working through this strange kind of man who is, the Bible calls him a left-handed man, which means that uh, one, like he's like seen as quite different and tricky. Uh, he probably had a disability, um, but even in like that, God was using him and using him to save his people. So I was like, all right, well, we see God working to save, and we see it there, and we can see it throughout the rest of the Bible. So our the big idea for that one is that God's character, uh, or God is working always to save. Um, yeah, so you got to find your big idea, and yep. then once you get your big idea, then you want to be ha have, you know, know what is that your what your points are that you that are coming out of that. Um, so you, if you've got a you know longer talk, you might have three points. If you've got a short talk, you probably only need one point. You want an introduction. You want to make sure you show how it relates to Jesus, and then you want to make sure that um, you've got some kind of way of applying it. Um, I often will apply each point. So I have like a point, illustrate, apply. So you make your point, you illustrate your point, you apply your point, um, and then you can kind of just keep applying as you go through. And then you want to wrap it all up with a conclusion at the end, probably reminding people of your big idea and reminding people what they can do as a result. And then you're done. So I, I don't actually remember what the original question was. but uh, <laughs> Well, I think you've just covered the entire process of how to write a talk. There, yeah, well, I've, I've covered hopefully the process of, you know, what is in the talk. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I mean, we could end it here and take questions, but I guess let's 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 pick into that like flow and and, and really what you've just talked through is part three of the book in how to write a talk. Um, once you get your structure, then you introduce it, explain the passage, make the point, illustrate, and then apply it all. Yeah, um, I think um, this is where people spend a lot of time practicing and, and realizing they need to practice and trying to find the illustrations so that it can relate to young people today. Yes. So with the story you've just given us about Ehud, um, how can you relate a story like that to young people today? What kind of illustrations would you use if you were doing it, you know, next Friday? <laughs> um, well, so uh, illustrations, uh, like the, the the things that I think are important in illustrations is that one has got to illustrate whatever point you're making. Like you can't just tell a good story, which sometimes, you know, you find people, they tell a good story and then try and squeeze it in. Um, so you want to make sure that whatever you're doing relates to whatever it is that you're illustrating. Uh, if you're talking, whoever you're talking to, you want to make sure that your, your illustrations are relatable and ideally they're personal. So something that's personal for you and relatable for the people who are you're speaking to. Because mm -hmm. there's no point um, telling a really interesting story um, about, you know, the, the time that you, I don't know, that you were in on holidays in France and you were trying to work out, you know, the French, you know, train system, say. 
and you find it really interesting and like people who travel might find it really interesting and people who are interested in trains might find it really interesting but say a group of teenagers who have zero interest in trains zero interest in france and never go on holidays uh well never take themselves on holidays to france they're not probably not going to be interested in that so so if you find a different illustration that kind of relates that you might spend your time actually saying well if i was talking about something that's confusing then i say actually i'm going to talk about you know how how difficult I find to work an iPhone and they're all like, Oh, we know how to use iPhones and then we can laugh at you for not knowing how to use an iPhone. Well, then you have some an illustration that might make yeah. more, make more sense because it's more relatable and it's still personal because you might struggle to use your iPhone. Um, that really draws, um, I guess everyone in. So, um, to put you on the spot back to Earhart. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, that was your question. And, and the, the, the message that, that you were bringing through, that, that God is, is at work, um, what, would, what could be an illustration that, that you could bring in to relate people into the, the message you're trying to make through that story from Judges? Yeah, so, so, um, so in, that, um, in that talk, uh, I think one illustration that I had were, is about, like, what kind of a savior is God? So if God's character is to save, then we sometimes feel this need to prepare ourselves for God, that I've got to be acceptable to God to be saved. So I use this illustration and I actually, it's a double illustration, but the first part of the illustration is I'm talking about how I feel when I go to the dentist, that like when you go to the dentist, you feel like you've got to get yourself ready for the dentist so you can trick the dentist into thinking that you've been doing all the stuff that the dentist has told you to do. So you kind of, you know, three days before you go to the dentist, you start flossing. And then when the dentist is like, have you been flossing? Like, yeah, floss every day, which has been true for the last three days. Um, like you, you want to prepare yourself so that when you get there, you're acceptable. Um, but that's not how God works. And so that's, that's a negative illustration. Um, saying God is not like the dentist. Um, and then I go on and do a second illustration, which normally I'm, I don't think you should do double-barreled illustrations, but in this case, it, I think it worked. Um, that I, my second illustration is about going, uh, being saved by a lifesaver. So when you're drowning, you don't have to get yourself acceptable for the lifesaver. You're not out there in the water going, oh, I need to prove to the lifesaver that I know how to swim or that I've, I've got my... I've got myself to a safe spot so that when they come along and say, oh, you've done very well, you know, looking after yourself, you just, you're like, I'm drowning, you stick your hand in the air and the lifesaver comes out and saves you. You're not interested in getting yourself right. You're just interested in getting saved. And that's what God's character is like. And for those two illustrations, um, they're not that, they're not super interesting, really. Like if I had an illustration about when I was drowning, it might be much more interesting. Um, but um, one, we relate to the dentist because hopefully we've all been to the dentist and we know that feeling of guilt with the dentist. It's not that exciting, but it's a relatable experience. When, when did you uh, last go to the dentist? Oh, you shouldn't ask me that question. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> uh, longer ago than it should be. Um, and... And then there's the the lifesaver. Um, like we know about that as like if we're talking in an Australian context, 
particularly Australian coastal context, we know what we should do when we're if we're at the beach and we're drowning because we've been taught it in school and we've taught it, you know, at the beach. We've been taught it all sorts of ways. So we know that. And so that's something we can relate to because we've all kind of had that experience, maybe not of drowning, but of knowing, being taught what we should do if we are drowning. And so, um, so we have not really exciting illustrations, but relatable illustrations. And so we can engage, engage with that. Yeah, no, that's really, really helpful. So if we were to go back a little bit to when you're trying to explain the passage, you're trying to, um, I wondered in your experience, what have been some helpful ways to research and, and look into how to get the information to understand the passage for yourself, to be able to share it to others. And I guess for a lot of youth leaders, they might not have a library or a theological library or yep. commentaries. Give us some maybe thoughts or hacks. Yeah. So, um, one, one, well, the first thing I do when I get it is I just work through the passage myself. I go like verse by verse. I spend time making notes on what I think each verse is saying. And then once I've done that, then I figure out what I think the big idea might be. And then it's like, okay, now I'm going to research land. Um, so I will read books and I'll read commentaries. Um, commentaries are like really useful. In fact, um, I've got some behind me. I'll just grab some. Hold on. Uh, commentaries are books which just kind of go through a passage and tell you like what is it that the passage means so they're like these ones they're like this is for Romans um, these ones are the, with these colorful colors they're often quite much easier to read because they kind of don't go into too much depth um, but then you might get ones like these which are like this is a much this is a fatter book and it just does the first eight chapters of Romans. And then these ones, like, they'll have, like, the even, they've got the original, like, Greek in here, which, like, I can't even read that because I did Greek, but I've forgotten it. Um, but so you've got a bunch of different, like, commentaries, like, some which are really easy to read and some which are hard to read. So I'll go from the easier ones through to the harder, um, through the harder ones because then it kind of, it helps me get into the passage. Now, if you don't have a, a bunch of commentaries and you're like, how do I do this? Well, one, you probably have a pastor and they will have a bunch of commentaries and so you can ask them for it. Uh, if um, you don't want to do that or they don't have what you want, um, Bible colleges will have them and you might like, I am not a, don't go to a Bible college, but you can. You can just rock up and go to the library and take stuff off the shelves and read it in there and then, then you've got it. Um, you can also uh, often get commentaries on Kindle and stuff or like ebooks. So I, um, I've been building up my commentary library online, just waiting for when they go on sale. And they'll, they'll sell like these ones. These are NIV application commentaries, which I find them pretty useful. I got a bunch of these for like five bucks on Kindle. And so I've been kind of building up that, that library. So you can just be paying attention to when they come up. Um, so just steal, no, don't steal, borrow, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, borrow from like pastors, go to libraries, um, find stuff that's on sale. If you, sometimes you can go on books.google.com and they'll have like yeah. sections of commentaries. They won't have the whole commentary, but they might have the section that you want. It's available there. Um, I think also, um, like online on like Bible gateway or like yes. Bible hub. 
Um, they, there's a bunch of free commentaries online. Some of them yeah. maybe not good. Some of them are really good, but they're yeah. quite summarised and you can just skim through. Um, but it, it can help you just kind of test and see what other people have come up with and does it align with roughly where you are or does it make yeah. you want to question some of your thoughts or some of their thoughts? But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the only thing I say about online stuff is just maybe check with someone who you know has done more study in the Bible than you about the stuff that you're reading online because anyone can put stuff online. Like, you know, me, I've put lots of stuff online. Uh, you don't you don't know if that person's good or dodgy or, yeah. you know, if they've done any study or not. Like, so it's worth checking with someone who you know and trust um, and know that they're someone who's like, they've done the work. And then they could be like, yeah, that's great. Or other stuff I'm like, nah. Um, the other, but the other good resource online, which uh, is good just to under, kind of get into big overview stuff, is uh, the Bible Gateway. Not the Bible Gateway, the Bible Project. And the Bible Project, yeah. I will often watch a video about, they have videos which go through an overview of every book of the Bible. And I'll often watch that before I do much prep because it gives me a good overview of the the whole kind of story of the book. Yeah. Awesome. And then when I'm in like a little passage, then I know where it fits into the big story. So yeah, lots of good stuff out there and you don't have to have a huge library to get it, get it done. So you've, you've done your research, then you've done a bit of that research and, and then what does your process look like in then um, working through those? So after I've done that, then I will, then I'll work out, okay, what's, what's my big idea again? Um, because I want to make sure that you know I what I'm saying hasn't gone completely off track, um, and I'll try and work out what my main points are, and I'm going to make sure that that I I know how this comes back to Jesus, um, because I want to don't want to you know be halfway through and go oh actually I don't know if this actually relates to the gospel at all, so I want to make sure that I I know that early on. And then once I've figured that out, that structure, then I often will go and start just practicing the talk. And when I say practicing, I'm not like, not rehearsing, but I'll start just speaking out loud. And that's how I write a talk is I just say the talk. So I often will go for a drive and I talk, do the talk as I drive. I pretend that I'm preaching it. And then it's, it's normally a really bad talk. Um, I often, I'll record it. And so then I can come back and sit down and type it out. Um, yeah. If I'm not, if there's no one at home, then I'll do it at home. Um, I've got to write a talk uh, today for youth group tomorrow night. So I've done my reading and stuff. So, and my wife's going to go to uni uh, this afternoon. So I'm going to stay home and I'm going to just kind of walk around my house and practice the talk tonight. Yeah, love uh, it. As I'm preparing. Love it. When you then um, have done that and write it down, do you have a process like, is it often a bunch of drafts that you keep tweaking, tweaking, or do you, do you save them in different files or do you just keep editing it? What does it look like then when you write it? Because uh, what I've, because my preparation is not, is a lot of out loud speaking. Normally by the time I sit down to write, I've done enough, enough kind of drafts talking wise that I, that what I write is normally like my the thing that I'm actually going to say. Wow. Um, cool. So I sit down and just write it all out. Um, I use Google Docs because I like it. Um, but then I will read through it again and I'll maybe edit bits and pieces here and there. 
Um, if I've got a lot of time and I can, I might say it out loud and if I find an issue, then I'll go back and fix it. But I'm usually running later in my preparation than I want to be. So I don't often have the space for that. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I'm keen to try. I probably haven't personally um, done the whole out loud as much. I find um, my rhythms the last few years, I've often, I'll write the talk, sit with it, think about it. And then a day later, I'll start and I'll end up editing it, but then I'll go, nah, I'm going to rewrite it and start a, a version two. And then usually yeah. my final talk is around the version four or five. Yeah. Um, and then I've got too many files and I don't know what to do with the old ones. And I don't know whether to delete them. So I've got a lot of documents. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's good. Cause like, if that works for you and that's great, like you, the, the way that you get to the finished product there is no right way to do that. And so um, if, if it doesn't work to be doing it my way, um, then you shouldn't do it my way. Like I, like I know people who prepare in, yeah, more, maybe more like you or other people who write it out word for word and then um, spend time editing it and they go down to nitty gritty of each word and then they go up with their full manuscript and but they've practiced it like six times and so they they know it really well and if that works for them that's great um mm. it there is really there is no right way to do it as long as you get up there and you've got something to say and it's faithful to what the bible teaches i like that so really it's a it's a bit of a self-exploration um, yeah and, and really it's about experimenting so like when you work with your youth leaders or, or different teams over your years, um, obviously that's what you encourage them in, um, kind of finding what will work for them, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so, so my, I think what's important to me is that you have, really good, you have a really good process for preparation so that once you're getting to writing time, that you've done all the, the work beforehand so that you know that what, what you're coming up with is going to be valuable um and faithful yeah. rather than um yeah making sure that you've got this really good process once you're actually at writing like that that's fine but i'm like whatever whatever you do is fine and i i try not to be too prescriptive in that because because i know that it's going to change for each person um and so it's like give it a shot keep trying stuff you can start the way i do it and finish you'll be somewhere completely different and my style has changed over the years as well. Like I'm, I'm different to what I used to be. Yeah, are you a dot point guy or a manuscript guy or a sections guy? <laughs> uh, I so I started off as a manuscript guy. So I used to have it all written out in full, and then I'd kind of be looking up and down between my manuscript and the congregation. Um, but now I write it all out in full and then I put in headings at each kind of big section or each point where I'm like, okay, we're moving on to a new idea here. So I put those in and then I go through and I delete all the stuff in between the headings. And so then I'll go up to preach with a like one or two sheets of just headings and then I, then I speak. So the words that I say are usually not the words that I had written down They'll be similar, yeah. um, but they won't be as nice as what I write wrote down either. Like the my older talks used to be much more eloquent, but they kind of had less connection in it because um, mm. because I was so tied to my manuscript. 
Yep. So that's how I do it. But it took me a long time to get there as well because to go up to do like 25, 30 minutes with like without having all of, all of it written down for you was pretty scary for me. So I was like, I don't think I can do that. So it took me a while to get there. No, that, that, that's really helpful because I, I, I've had a similar journey um, in that I think as your confidence and your freedom grows, your notes can evolve and, and reshape or reduce. Um, but I think that's got to be up to each person and, and their journey. So it's cool to hear you kind of say that. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some people who uh, can do full notes really well. Like they feel really comfortable with them and and you, they can do it in a way that they, they maintain that connection. Yeah. And and so if if that's great for them, they should do it. Um, and some people, yeah, who are like dot points. I think I knew a guy who used to use, he'd do like mind maps and then he'd preach off a mind map. <laughs> I have no idea how to do that, but look, if it works, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, love it. Love it. Well, um, just for our final minute, I want to go to the very beginning with introductions. Um, I've, I've, I've enjoyed your talks over the years at Seoul uh, in Canberra and in Sydney, and I feel like you, you're pretty good at the old introduction. Uh, you tell a good story. Talk us through what are the keys for an introduction for talking to youth? Yeah. So your introduction, you, you want to be able to grab people's attention straight away. Um, and as you do that, you want to raise the raise the issue that you're addressing in the talk. Um, so in my Ehud talk, my introduction is actually not, it's not super exciting. Like sometimes you have a really fun, you know, story to introduce things. But so the Ehud talk, I talk about my, um, some of the things that are just kind of expressions of my personality. So my inability to cope with having doors left open in my kitchen or my inability to sleep with a blanket the wrong way around, or um, the need to just say hello to friendly dogs, even though, um, you know, sometimes you shouldn't say hello to dog, all dogs. I think when I did that talk, it was because I was in a job where I had to go into front yards pretty regularly and wasn't allowed to talk to dogs. Um, but I like, think just what are expressions of your personality? Um, but that was about saying, well, here's my personality. God's character, this is my character, God's character is to save. And how do we see that expressed? Well, we're going to see it in this passage. So you want to kind of raise, get people kind of interested and raise the, the topic that you're talking about. And if you can raise attention uh, at, at that point, that can be really helpful too. So the best thing you can do is, you know, engage people, raise the topic and raise the tension. So if you were talking about, um, you know, if God is good, why is there suffering in the world? Then you might want to start with the illustration about some suffering that you've experienced. And probably you don't want to hit like a really tough thing straight away, but you might be allowed to say like, you know, like I um, regularly, you know, find myself buying like these big things of yogurt because they're on sale and I'm so excited about the sale. And then I only get halfway through and then my yogurt goes off. And then I, I realize that I've got to throw out this yogurt. And I'm like, if God is good, why did he make it so that yogurt goes off? Like God could fix that. 
Um, and we, this might be a question that we regularly have in the world. Like if God is good, why does he allow bad things to happen to us? Like the yoga going off, or there might be more significant things that you're experiencing. Like you might be asking a question about, you know, what's going on in your family. Like someone you love might be sick or, you know, you're, you might be experiencing mental health issues or some of that. And if God's good, why are those things happening? And so then what you've done is you've told a story that is kind of interesting, not that interesting, it's about yoga, but people might be able to relate to it, might be fun. Um, yeah, but it raises a question and you've got that tension that's there and then you're going to answer that question hopefully throughout the talk. Yeah. But if you raise that tension, you've got to make sure you answer it. Otherwise, if you get to the end and people are like, yeah, hold on, I don't think you've answered that question and I had that from all the way through, then you haven't, you haven't done yeah. the right thing. Yeah, no, that's, I want to go check the yogurt in my fridge now, but um, also, <laughs> no, that's really helpful. And I think you just gave a good one. It's slightly insignificant, slightly funny, but it's actually brought up a huge conversation that then you can bring into the talk. Yeah, yeah which I think also is, is a helpful thing just to remember about illustrations is they don't have to be super exciting. Um, like people often ask me, they're like, why do you have such an interesting life? I'm like, I I don't really like the stories I tell are pretty dull, but I tell them uh, as I tell them with the significance that I feel about them. Like I, it feels significant to me that the yogurt goes off and it feels significant to me that I, you know, have to avoid the dentist. Like, like, and we feel that significance. And so I'm just talking about it, a shared experience that we have yeah. and it feels interesting, but it's not that interesting. Like it's rare that I have a good story to tell every now and then. Like I can tell the story about the time I lost my tooth ice skating. Like that's a good story, but that that's happened to me once in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't need to feel like you've got to have lots of great stories. You've just got to feel like you can tell a story and show how it relates to yourself and the people who are listening to you. No, that uh, it's, that's, that's some gold in there, and I hope everyone out there is is really hearing because I think it can be quite simple, and you've really broken that down. Just being able to have little personal, relatable moments just draw people in, and that will then allow you to bring them to Jesus, bring them to what He's saying in your talk and and what He's doing. So that's awesome. Well, this has been episode two. It's been good, Tom. Great. You're a good guy. We're going to flick over to live questions. So live get questions ready. Um, download Talks That Don't Suck. Um, we're going to share the link. It's free. Or you can order it like me from Kurong and have a hard copy. But thanks for listening in. Thanks, Tom, for your time. It's time to ask you some questions. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>